Hey guys, we just wanted to let you know before you listen to this episode that the audio quality on our guest end had some distortion. We ultimately decided not to re-record as the content in this episode is so authentic and it's a story that we think needs to be heard. Happy listening. This is Such Fun, a podcast devoted to the discussion, education, and celebration of all things fisting. Whether you're a curious newbie or an elbow deep connoisseur, this podcast is for you. I'm artist Big Bug Geek. And I'm blogger Jasmine Taz. Let's get to it. Let's have such fun. Such fun. Such fun. What are we doing this episode, Dal? You very, very sick boy. Um, today we are interviewing Pocket Jock Dog, our trans fisting aficionado Ooh. from across the seas, from across <laughs> the Atlantic. Exotic. Totes exotic. <laughs> Whereabouts do you live? I'm like about uh, an hour south of Toronto. Nice. An hour uh, west, east. I don't know my directions. That's embarrassing. Of Niagara Falls. Yeah. And does that mean Canada or America? Or US, I should say. It's Canada. Yeah. Great. We're very uncultured. <laughs> good, good, good. We just know fisting, that's it. I picked up on your boot, so I, I should have assumed it was Canada. Yeah, I do have a little bit of a a little bit of that. I actually fisted a Canadian the other oh. day. I gave him his first fist. If he's listening, hey. <laughs> I think he does listen actually. Hey. Um yeah. We contacted you, um, it's a few months ago now, actually. You were just someone that we really wanted to have on. Thank you. I don't think we really set out to do a trans episode. Mm-hmm. You were just someone on Twitter who was just very vocal about your journey mm-hmm. and who you are, and obviously your passion for extreme <laughs> things in all your holes, yeah. which is glorious to see. So I was like, okay, we need to interview him and we need to just find out what's going with him. And then obviously the added benefit of having a wider discussion about what it is to be a trans person now and in, in this kink community, but obviously very specifically in this fisting community. So couldn't think of anyone better. So here you are. Well, I'm glad that my gaping holes were uh, an inspiration for a topic. It helped me on more than one lo- lonely night, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's what they're there for. So should we just start at the, at the kind of the obvious beginning? Um, Can you tell us a bit about your trans identity and where this sort of journey for you began? I knew that I was a boy since, you know, I was like in kindergarten and I knew that gender differences were a thing. I didn't really care about body differences at that time because I didn't know that there were body differences. I didn't know. I was a little kid. I never had siblings. But I was just like, I'm a boy. It's very obvious. And my parents tried to explain to me uh, how that was not so and it didn't really click to me. It was like, well, that that's not much of a difference. I don't really get what you're saying to me. And then I think the first time I came out properly was when I was nine and I told um, my one friend, I was like, listen, I know that people think I'm a girl, but I'm actually like a boy. This is just how it is. And he said, cool. And he treated me like a boy and he just referred to me as a boy and it was just a thing. I didn't know that trans people existed because I grew up and from a small town. So I, I had no exposure to trans people or gay people or any sort of diversity, really. So that was just how I handled it. And then 
I got uh, I got online. <laughs> uh, we first got a computer in the house when I was 13. And that was also obviously when I was hitting puberty and stuff and things were kind of shit was hitting the fan. Like I made my parents take me to a doctor when I started to grow breasts. I didn't see my breast buds and think, oh, I'm getting breasts. I saw my breast buds and thought, I have cancer. So I made them take me to a doctor <laughs> who then had to be like, no, this is just puberty. You're fine. I thought, oh, well, I'm not fine. Things aren't right. So luckily we got we got the internet in the house and I looked shit up and I was like, oh, all right, I'm trans. That's what this is. But this was in, uh, like, what, 2004? So there wasn't a lot of uh, knowledge or representation out there except for, like, very strict medical definitions. So I, I did talk to uh, a counselor in my high school, and my counselor diagnosed me with gender identity disorder. He said, this is what you have. It's a mental illness. And he said, you can go get it treated, but you have to jump through all these hoops. And I thought, well, my parents aren't going to go for that. There's no way. So I thought, I'm going to just have to wait, you know, until I'm out of the house and whatever. But then I got out and about, and I thought, you know, people treat trans people like shit. I said, I don't know that I want to be out right now. Because, you know, I was a young man. I was still figuring myself out and what I wanted to do with my life and whatever. So I thought, I'll just stay closeted for a while. I was only out to close friends. Like any friend that I made, and I knew that they were going to be my friend for a while, I was out to them. Uh, I was always out to my, my partners. But like, anyone in my professional life and my family didn't know. I really lived um, a double life there. Eventually, I sort of had enough. I thought, well, I can't. I can't do this. This is ridiculous. So then I just decided I'll, I'll transition. We'll give it a go. <laughs> we'll see how, how it goes. And it's been good. I was 23 when I decided to finally, like, socially transition. The first medical thing that I had done was uh, getting my, my tubes tied. <laughs> Nobody really thought that was weird. They just thought, well, she doesn't want kids. How did you define your sexuality at the time? I was kind of lucky in that I immediately knew that I was bisexual. Like, as soon as I hit puberty, I was like, everyone's hot. <laughs> There's not a single gender that I don't find attractive. So I thought, I'm, I'm bisexual or pansexual, however, you know, whichever flag you like better, whichever definition you like better. Personally, I, I pick bisexual, but, and I was always open about that. Like, I came out as soon as I, I figured it out, which maybe was not a wise thing to do in the, the place where I lived and still live. I stayed here uh, pretty much out of spite because it, it is a fairly violently homophobic and socially conservative place. And I thought, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna fuck off and leave. I'm just gonna stick around <laughs> and make you all adapt. Which is what's happened. It is, it's gotten a lot better. Like we had our first uh, regional pride start up two years ago and it's still going on every year, so. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. We made the BBC because we put up our first uh, Pride crosswalk. And of course it got vandalized. They all get vandalized. It doesn't really matter where they are. But the BBC picked up on it and was like, look, here's this shitty little small town doing Pride stuff. That's pretty cool. Represent! <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, it's all difficult for all of us being part of this whole queer community and all the different struggles we have. But it, but it is a little easier in a way when you when you do go to a big city and you you kind of you find your tribe is definitely more challenging, but also more courageous to kind of stay put and go, no, 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 this is where I'm yeah. going to be. And you're going to have to yeah. deal with this, yeah. which I applaud. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it certainly wasn't for me. <laughs> I had to get the fuck out of there. Well, yeah, that's more than understandable. So when did fisting come into all this? Uh, it was not uh, a straightforward journey. Because the first time I got fisted, you know, like 18... And my, the second girlfriend that I ever had, uh, we used to have like extremely lengthy marathon sex. And she moved up close to me at one point and was like, so how was that? And I said, what? And she said, I was literally just like fisting you <laughs> for like half an hour. Did you not <laughs> notice? In the front. Yeah, that was the front. I didn't, uh, I didn't notice. I was like, oh, cool. I said, well, it felt good. So I must like it. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep doing it. Okay. That was the opening window into the world of, of fisting, was having it done and not even realizing it had been done. I was like, well, it was fun. I didn't know that that's what was going on. Because I'm uh, a cavernous uh, abyss. Uh, when I started really exploring uh, the, gay, the gay scene, I immediately gravitated to fisting as a top because I enjoy uh, topping with a strap on. For me, it's not quite the same as topping with my fist because, I mean, my fist is actually part of me. I can feel my fist. And it's bigger than everyone else's dick, so it makes me feel pretty good about myself to be like, well, yeah, my real dick is, like, microscopic, but my fists are not. (laughs) Bottoming didn't happen for years because I hadn't gotten a lot out of vaginal fisting, so I didn't think that I would get a lot out of anal fisting. It just didn't, it just didn't really occur to me as something that I would necessarily be into, even though I liked bottoming for anal sex. Um, But I thought, eh, I don't know if I can take a fist in there, (laughs) Um, which was stupid. And how did it change? Listen, the first thing that I ever took up my ass was a lava lamp. Don't do that. Don't stick lava lamps up there. It's extremely dangerous. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but uh, I did that. Was it on at the time or was it off? Thank God. No, it wasn't on. It was long disconnected and didn't work anymore. But I thought, this is a fun shape. Let's see how this feels up the, up the rear. But, you know, not a dick, not a finger, full lava lamp. First thing up my ass. Uh, I was just designed to be uh, stretchy. I just got curious one day. I thought, look, all my all my bottoms really enjoy it, so I just uh, I started doing it uh, on my own with toys because I thought if I'm gonna go into this, I'm gonna be a pro when I go into this. <laughs> I'm not gonna start out on beginner fists. I'm just gonna go whole hog right away. Uh, so I just bought progressively larger toys until I was taking like silicone fists, <laughs> and then I thought, all right, now I'm good. And I was. <laughs> I guess the obvious question is, obviously, you don't have the male G-spot. Yeah. What do you get out of anal play? So I, I get that question, even just in regards to just, you know, regular, quote-unquote, anal sex and anal play. 
And I always think that that's kind of sad. Because <laughs> if that, if the only pleasure you're getting out of anal sex is through your prostate, that's valid. But I would like to come fuck you so that I can show you how much better it can be. <laughs> because, first of all, there's a ton of nerve endings around the anus, as you know, anyone knows who's gotten a good rim job. So you don't even really need to be penetrated for anal play to feel good. But if you do get penetrated, number one, the stretch and intensity feel fucking orgasmic. Like I have come just from being stretched open before. Like it's a good, it's a good fucking feeling, you know, as long as you're playing with, you know, the right person and you're, you're safely stretching yourself open. Mm-hmm. In terms mm-hmm. of my, my own personal anatomy, I have been blessed with uh, a uterus that is very sensitive. My uterus is, I think, like a big G-spot because I can come from having it, it hit. And also, my vagina gets stimulated when I have anal play because of how close the two are. Like, if you were to stick a finger and a thumb in both of my holes, you can touch. You can touch them together. It's a really thin, really thin wall of separation. It's crazy strong, but it's still a thin wall of separation. So all of that gets uh, stimulated whenever I have any kind of anal sex. Jazz, we have to try this. We have to try this. Next time we meet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I'm having, having all sorts of mental images here. Like the uh, the first time uh, that I ever took two dicks at once, like one in both whole, uh, the the two guys looked at each other around me and went, "Hey, I can feel your cock." I was thinking that's quite romantic, right? They were like, "This is like frauding, but in somebody." Oh. And I was like, "Oh, you're welcome." I still haven't got double fucked, and I'm very angry about that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I I do. I've like you and you. Let's do this. Yeah. Anyway, I used to get double mind. fucked a lot. I don't really like getting double fucked anymore. It's uh, it's just it doesn't. It's lost its appeal. I think. Oh. Because I always used to spend half the night at a club trying to get two guys together that I liked, and then all that effort and all that time and it just kind of it just kind of didn't have its its proper culmination or i'd gotten over it over it by the time it happened and so i gave up on on that oh i prefer double fisting instead <laughs> well i mean that's also good tell me more about um so while we're on the topic of different kinds of orgasms mm-hmm. there's uh so at least in my experience, there's the prostate one, and then there's another one that's that's deeper in with where the second ring is, the second hole. Mm. How is that for you? Is that uh, is that something you've explored as well? And is that something additional? And you know, in addition to all your other kinds of orgasms that you've been describing, the orgasms that I have through anal play alone tend to be uh, from stretch, and they tend to sort of engage my whole body. Whereas if I have an orgasm through like front hole play or through my dick, it tends to be pretty localized. Like it just, it stays there. Which isn't how it was before testosterone, actually. Testosterone changes how your, how your orgasms feel. Yeah. Yeah. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Before testosterone, my orgasms would come in waves. They would start local, and then they would go through my whole body. It wasn't just a big, like, crash. It was like a gradual build, and then a gradual, like, a washing over me. 
And then, like, days into starting testosterone, it it rapidly changed to being, like, a quick punch <laughs> focused in the in the dick, pretty much. Mm. Which is, is what happens to, like, everybody. That sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> but when you have a, an orgasm from fisting or from anal play, mm-hmm. yeah, or maybe even from vaginal fisting, I can't say of yeah. course, um, do, you, do you get that more female radiating orgasm? Yeah, it actually is a whole lot more similar to how my orgasms used to be before testosterone. It's, it's much more similar than it is to um, a dick orgasm. That interests me because I, I would say that my own anal orgasms with fisting are more like that. Like, it, it starts fairly centralized, but it's amazing how it kind of starts to radiate throughout your entire body. Yeah. Um, and it's far more satisfying than any dick orgasm. Yes. <laughs> they are. I feel like most, most guys are just missing out. I agree. That's the main takeaway of this episode. You right? gotta take more things up the ass. Mm, amen. That is the ethos of this. Yeah. Um, what's been some of your favorite fisting experiences? My big favorite one so far, because it's hard to top. It was during an orgy at a completely unrelated convention. Not a sexual convention at all. We just all happened to be at this convention. What, Comic-Con? <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a furry convention. You started <laughs> fisting at Comic-Con. This is... This is obscene. Can you imagine? These poor, these poor geeks. They've never even had sex. Furries are super fun to play yeah. with. Because they're, they're really open to all kinds of weird shit that maybe you haven't even heard of or that you'd never think of. And they're like, here, I want you to do this to me. <laughs> What's an example? Oh, yeah. Furries do crazy shit. Oh, man. Fuck. Oh, what, let's say, what, did you, what, did, what led to your craziest experience at this furry convention? I went to this convention because I had friends who were going. And then they were like, hey, we're having this big gear kink orgy. Do you want to come up? And I said, sure. So I get up to this place, and it was just in full swing. People doing all kinds of shit to each other. Like, I got in the door, and a guy immediately was like, hey, I would love it if you pissed in my mouth, like, right now. I love kinksters. I, 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 just, I just love these stories. <laughs> And there was a guy um, in full rubber, and he had um, a VR um, headset on, and he was being fed virtual porn. And he also had these, he had, he had like full sensory deprivation going on. And they were like, this guy would really like it if you fucked over top of him. I was like, okay, I can do that. So I got my strap on. And I was fucking a guy over top of this other guy. And then somebody else came up and was like, do you want to fist me beside him? I thought, yeah, I can do that. I can multitask. I can multitask. That'll work out. This is sounding like Twister now. <laughs> it was. It was like Twister. But I was managing it real well. <laughs> so I had my fist in this guy. I was fucking this other guy. And there was, you know, the guy in rubber below us. And then another guy came up behind me and was like, could I eat out your holes while you do this? And I said, sure. (laughs) And that was all going on while, you know, all kinds of other crazy shit was happening around us. And then at the end, we all went and got dinner. I'm sure you worked up an appetite. (laughs) We were very hungry. (laughs) And like, we were freaking out the waiters, I think, because some of us couldn't shut up (laughs) about what (laughs) happened. 
And then as we were leaving, most of us, like, kissed each other goodbye. And everybody just kind of looked like, what the fuck? What the fuck happened here? <laughs> but I'm still friends with, like, all of those people. So, you know, connections. Mm. Found family. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my God. How do you find that you're re- received in these kind of, like, kink play spaces, like saunas or mm. fetish events? How does someone like yourself get, get received in these places? It's always mixed. And it's always, like, two extremes. There's never anyone who's, like, neutral about it. Um, at least not if they're coming to play with me. It's, it's always like, yes, or, like, no, you, you can't be here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's either kind of, like, borderline fetishization, and if it's full fetishization, I nope out of there. But as long as it's, like, it stays borderline, and I am able to talk to the person after, and I'm like, hey, so by the way... <laughs> And make sure that everyone's cool. You know, I don't have... I'll be like, yeah, all right. Whatever. I'll cu- it's it's sex. That's what I'm here for, you know. Um, or it's get the fuck out. And it it depends where and what, I, and what I'm doing. So, like, if I'm at... Um, if I'm at some kind of private event or private institution, like a bathhouse... And they're like, get out. I won't put up a stink about it. Because I'll be like, all right, this sucks. But, you know, what am I, what, what am I really going to change by, you know, making a big deal out of it? I'll bitch to other people later and be like, hey, so this is some bullshit that went down at your establishment. But I, in the moment, I usually won't pick up a, pick up a fuss. I'll just be like, okay, well, I'm going to go give this establishment my money instead. I'm gonna go give them my coin and my holes, which you people don't deserve. (laughs) But if it's at, like, a bar or something, what I consider my home bar is the Black Eagle in Toronto. It's where I um, found most of my chosen family. It's where I found most of my, my play partners and my social circle. And I go there, like, once or twice a month to different events and stuff. And I've had it happen where guys will come up to me either before an event or after an event to be like, what the fuck are you actually doing here? Why are you here? Why were you in the dark room? Why were you playing? Why are you even giving this establishment patronage? You shouldn't be here. And then I'll make a public fuss because I don't take shit. I do not take bullshit. I'll be like, listen, you're clearly jealous about how much ass I actually get. Because, I mean, I always, I always get attention. I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I do always get attention. I think because I put out a very slutty energy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I'm clearly there to fuck, and I'm clearly there to have a good time, and I'm confident about it. And oftentimes, I'm somebody's first trans experience, and they'll, you know, they'll respectfully be like, hey, is this okay? And I'll say, sure, come fuck me. I love it, you know. I don't usually go home alone. So it's always these angry, angry men who've been sitting at the bar, not talking to anybody, not making any kind of an effort to have any kind of connection with anybody, just kind of expecting people to come to them, who get pissed the fuck off (laughs) that I have sort of, in their view, taken attention like away 
from the more deserving actual actual men is it is it generally older men that that have have this opinion or is it all ages like older men will usually be um the guys who are on my case online so the guys who don't want to say something to my face it's usually the older guys uh sending messages online like um People who host events have gotten some hate mail in regards to me by older patrons being like, why did you have this guy there? You know, we don't want to see pussy in our fuck spaces. Why is he there? And then the event uh, organizer will have to like defend that and I'll come in and be like, actually, yeah, let me help you out here. <laughs> let me tell you why. Yeah. But generally when it's actually to my face, it is younger guys who have... Um, more of the brass about them to be like, hey, <laughs> I know something about trans people. Ugh. And let me tell you why they suck and shouldn't be in our establishments. Oh, yeah. God. So, oh, God, fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, I, I have such a thick skin about it. It really doesn't get to me. Because at the end of the day, I have a really good time. And I make a lot of friends. And I know a lot of people. But if I was, like, if I was a newer person to all of this and I just came into an event and had that happen to me immediately it would for sure put me off like I don't think I would ever go back again and I have a lot of trans friends in in like the GTA which is the greater Toronto area who will not go to any sort of gay kink event because they had like one bad experience the first time they went mm. and that's fair that's fair because I mean you you shouldn't have to put up with that bullshit. I would have thought that I would have thought that in the kink community of all places, people would be more open-minded and more willing to to allow mm-hmm. someone who's not like them to exist in a space. Mm-hmm. Just be open-minded. Like people, people have had to be open-minded to 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 us fisters going into kink spaces. I mm-hmm. don't know. You know, that's of course something that's been standard for a very long time now, but. Mm-hmm. doesn't that kink community exist for people that don't don't exist within strict lines the thing is i really don't go to vanilla gay events i'll go to maybe the odd one i'll do some of the pride events once a year but i don't go to say woody's which is the big gay bar on church street in the in the village in toronto i will not step foot in there i never have People just kind of look at me like, what do you mean you've never been to Woody's? <laughs> Woody's is the bar. You've never been there. And I go, no, I have not. Because vanilla gays are by far worse than kinky gays when it comes to trans literacy, trans tolerance, trans acceptance. Like, I have never tried to date a, a vanilla gay person. I only date the kinky fuckers. <laughs> I've um actually worked at um, a gay sex slash fetish venue here in london obviously pre pre-covid um you'd hope wouldn't you um and even in the time that i've worked for them like i've seen the attitude to trans people change like it was strictly men only and it's kind of i mean there's a multitude of different sex nights um sex slash club nights in london um but the one i worked at was kind of known as like oh that's the one where you go to fuck like that's got the slings like the, like the others there'll be a little area but it'll mostly be there'll be like go-go dancers and there'll be a shirt you know whereas that one it's like oh no like that like if, if you want to hook up that's the one you go to so i worked at that one um and it was strictly men only 
you had to men only and it was one of the first events i worked to and a trans woman came along mm. tall beautiful um huge breasts <laughs> god, she, i mean she's just I, oh god she looks she stunning and she had to be turned away mm. um and the organizer of the night didn't want to do that and she's been doing this night for like 20 years mm. she certainly wanted her there but she's like but i have people that come here and like if they see someone walking around with breasts they're just gonna leave they're gonna slag me off online they're gonna just walk out you know all this stuff so i have to you know do i accommodate one person um versus i don't know 50 people mm. you know um i mean i i mean i was upset by that decision but i understood at the mm. time and then there was another night where I, where I wasn't actually working it i was just but you know like hey of course you can come in for free mm. um so I did that, and then I saw um, another trans woman uh, at this event um, who was in. I mean, it, it's supposed to be like fetish dress code, but really, people are just in boots and a jock strap, just just taking everything, you know, just you know, just easy access. Yeah. But she, but she was in this full like kind of leather bondage outfit. Mm. She looked incredible, um, and I was in one of the, like the dark room areas, and she literally just had a queue of people mm -hmm. waiting to suck her mm -hmm. dick. So I so I made a point of like as as I was leaving, so the the the, the event organizer who's my friend, I was like, look, before you get a bunch of angry men come up to you and go, I can't believe that this woman was here, like, because I know those are the people that will come up to you and make a fuss. Yeah. But don't forget about the fifty plus people that were in there doing, God knows what with yes. her, like, because they're not going to say anything. But like, but believe me, she was she was very well received. So don't like that, you know steer you off oh yeah so yeah it's slowly moving in the right direction i i think and i, and I was at a sauna not too long ago and um um one time i saw a trans guy walking around um you know kind of post um top surgery and it, I mean, loads of attention mm -hmm. and then my more recent visit there was a trans woman there she had a little bikini top on i think she had a great time <laughs> i bet it's getting there it's getting there yeah. slowly but. well i mean i think a lot of it is just innocent ignorance it's just innocent ignorance the majority because i have a friend who is a cis gay man and he's he's older he's in his 50s and he was in his 50s when we when we first met and we didn't play together for a long time it was just understood that that's not the relationship we were gonna have uh and then one day he was having a, a play party at his house and he just said you know what fuck it he said i'm in my 50s he was, I mean, this is kind of, you know, a bullshit definition, but quote-unquote gold star gay. <laughs> yeah, in that he had never been with anyone who wasn't a cis man in his life. And he said, you know what, fuck this. I'm in my 50s. I'm secure in my sexuality. I'm gonna eat you out. This man was a, a champ, a rock star, because he went until I came. And I don't come all that easy without a vibrator. And he, he was good as good as fuck. He ate me like a four-course meal. <laughs> he did. And when he came up, he was like, you know what? He said, this just tastes like dick. He said, I don't know what people have been saying about pussy apparently tasting all that different or smelling different or whatever. He said, you smell and taste like dick. And this was before I had started testosterone. I said, listen, it's not all that different. People build it up in their minds as being like this monumental difference, but they forget that like in the womb, we all start out the same way. And then things just, you know, they get shifted around a little, but it's all the same parts. We're all uh, 
configurations of the same stuff. I think if you can eat ass, you can eat anything, <laughs> honestly. That's where poop comes from. You know, so if the China's not really that that scary after that. <laughs> then again, I am very particular about what kind of butts I'll eat. Um, so, ob- so obviously, like, within the fisting community, we kind of... Um, I'm not sure what the right word is. You know, we kind of um, like to nickname ourselves with a variety yes. of names. Uh, like pussy, cunt, gash. I've had one guy I hooked up with who literally screamed at the top of his lungs like, oh, it's just, yeah, just, that's my dumb pussy. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one, yeah. Good old story, that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but how does it make you fit? Because you actually have, you know, a you know, in medical terms, a vagina. Yeah. You know, so is it just kind of like, oh, it's nice. It's nice that people are doing that. We're like, could you stop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's officially, what's the, what, what should we be doing? So every trans person is going to have different opinions on this. I've had discourse with other trans people about this. We've had the discussions. And you're never going to get us all to agree. There's never going to be kind of a safe bet here. It's all going to be down to somebody's personal comfort, personal discomfort, and their experiences. For a lot of trans trans guys, trans masculine folks, who are mostly gay, because this does go on with women, but not, not to the extent that it goes on in the gay scene, where they're used to having like the reaction of revulsion and disgust toward their genitalia, where the guys have gone, that is disgusting. You know, it's just really offensive shit. <laughs> and I've, I've dealt with it too, where people have said, you know, pretty horrific things about my junk. And I'm like, well, all right, fuck you. I think my junk is great, but you can think whatever you like. So they're, they're kind of against the whole trend of calling an asshole a pussy and stuff. Like, if you're a real asshole about vaginas, you shouldn't be able to get to call your asshole a vagina. I agree. I like that. Yeah. I like it. And I find it hot. I also think it's cool because it's sort of... I don't, I don't know how to say this in, like, a correct way. It, it limits my, my gender dysphoria. It honestly does. Because if, if the guy I'm fucking is calling his asshole his pussy, it makes me kind of feel better. It makes me be like, oh... Yeah, there's no differences here. It's not this elephant in the room thing. Yeah. Where, you know, it's not this like, oh, there's a vagina in the yeah. room. Avoid it. It's like, this a pussy, that's a pussy. Yeah. There's, there's, there's pussy in holes everywhere. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. As long as you are not being rude to people who have front holes, I think you can call your ass whatever you, whatever you want. Personally, I call both of my holes a pussy. I usually call the front one a front hole and the back one a back one, but it's like they're both my pussies. I both take things in them, you know. They both serve a purpose, so. <laughs> Jazz, what do you call yours? I called it a pussy for a very long time. I've called it a cunt before. These days, I just tend to call it an asshole. <laughs> I think um, I've gotten over my play phase where I would just call it all sorts of things. And the crazier the thing was, the more fun it was. Like, it was just a, a, about creating a fun space. And I think these days, maybe, I don't know, maybe I've become a bit more serious. I've stopped using names. What do you What do you call yours, Big Butt Geek? I don't know. I still think I have one of these holes, a curse with one of these holes that just, even after getting, like, punched out, like, ten minutes later, it just goes back to, like, just being a little whoop. It just... <laughs> 
like you'd never know anything had ever happened. Um, I don't think I'll ever be one of these people who are like, oh my god, I just woke up and look at this gash. It's just so open. I'm like, I, I mean, I wish. It still looks like an asshole. So it's just my butt, my ass. I quite like when other people call it like a pussy or a cunt. Mm-hmm. Like in the moment, I, I think that's quite hot. Um, but yeah, I don't really have any nicknames for it. Um, so you recently, you very recently had your top surgery. Yes. So tell us about th- that journey to finally get to that. Yeah. It's not an automatic thing for a trans guy to have to do. Yeah. But... So here in Ontario, it is covered by government insurance, but you have to jump through quite a bit of hoops and you have to wait a very long time. So I had started to get this ball rolling many years ago and I basically just got tired of waiting. I just kind of got sick of it and I thought, okay, I currently have the means to go private, so I'm going to go private. But they were like, hey, we have an opening three weeks from now that you can come get this done. I think I almost swore on the phone to this poor, this poor, you know, office worker. I was like, three weeks? I said, I thought you were going to say like a year or something. And she said, oh no. I said, oh no. She said, our private wait lists are uh, move much quicker than the, uh, the public waitlist, which, you know, is bullshit. That isn't how it should be. Um, but unfortunately, that's the, the world we're currently living in. Uh, so I thought, well, all right, I'll, I'll take that. So it moved ridiculously quickly after that. Um, I had to get, like, some blood work done. Uh, I had to get my health records sent over there just so that they could make sure that I, you know wouldn't have some sort of complication on the table or whatnot. Um, and I had it on June 15th, which is now like uh, 20, 27 days ago, I think. 27 days ago, about that, that. Yeah. yeah. It's almost a month. And uh, it, was, it was quite an experience. I expected the pain. I knew it was going to hurt. Uh, I did not expect it to hurt as much as it did. I have always considered myself pretty tolerant of pain. Uh, Like, I'm one of the the guys who really enjoys being whipped. Uh, I don't, I don't enjoy thuddy floggers. I like sting. So I'm, you know, I'm the guy over there getting his back absolutely torn to shreds with a whip and loving it. So uh, I always thought, well, I have a good tolerance for pain. I'll be okay. Uh, the, The morning after, I I got out of bed, I got up, and I was like, well, this is painful, but I think I'm all right. I, uh, I fainted uh, twice in succession. I don't even remember waking up from the first, uh, the first time I fainted, because I just went right into the second. And thank God my parents were here looking after me, because <laughs> they, me, they got me seated down, and they saw that I was kind of swaying, and I thought, oh no, something's happening here. And, uh, you know, we called the paramedics, and I did go into the hospital, and they were like, no, you just fainted. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Here I am freaking out, because I had never fainted before. I had never fainted. I have never passed out. So I thought, oh, shit, what's gone wrong? What sort of complication am I having? So I I freaked out a little. And they were like, no, you just fainted from pain. That's it. They said, you just, you had a freak out from the pain. I said, no, no way. I didn't believe him at first. So they asked if I wanted tests done in the hospital, and I said yes, because something has to be wrong here. I have a high pain tolerance. 
And they went, no, kid, you just fainted. <laughs> so I felt pretty stupid after that. Because I thought, oh, God, how embarrassing is that? But I, so the pain was really bad for four or five days. And then afterwards, I was able to stop taking the, um, the painkillers that they had given me. And then I was on just regular Tylenol for like a week after that. And now the pain is gone. The pain is gone. But like that first, the first couple weeks were rough. <laughs> they were much rougher than I, I had anticipated. Like I needed help with everything. Everything. It's a good thing I have no dignity because it would have all been lost. <laughs> <laughs> and you've still got the binder now. Or is that, is that, I have yeah. to wear, um, the compression, the little compression vest here for another two weeks. So what, so what do you think the impact's going to be once, once it's all healed? I mean, it's already super positive, uh, cause I'm able to take breaks. Like after I shower, they're like, yeah, you can go about the length of a, of a standard movie where you're just hanging out without your binder. So just that, just hanging out. With nothing on my chest and like catching myself in the mirror. Huge difference. Huge, huge difference. You know, I've had breasts since I was like 10. I thought surely, even though I didn't like them, surely I would miss them some ways or that I would feel like phantom, phantom boobs, <laughs> you know, or something. But no, I had it done and my body was immediately like, yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Like, my brain didn't even notice yeah. that they weren't there anymore. They were never yours to begin with. They were just, it was just this thing that just ended up there, yeah. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing about it, is I, you know, I had them off, and my brain immediately was like, yeah, correct. They were never there anyway. Because I do have some friends who have had, like, phantom breasts, <laughs> where they're like, you know, I go to touch them, and they're not there, and my brain kind of freaks out, and I just, I have not had that. So everyone's different, right? But I, I guess I was someone who had pretty significant dysphoria surrounding my breasts. So they, they, they really never felt like part of me, despite how long I had mm -hmm. them. I mean, we, we've, I think we've had this discussion privately, but I, I, I'm someone I guess I have a sort of a unique sympathy for um, trans men in particular. Mm -hmm. I've never struggled with gender dysphoria. It's never been a part of my life. But from about the age of eight, I started to develop breasts. So it's a condition called gynecomastia. Mm -hmm. So just, it just developed breast tissue. Um, it did coincide with um, a time in my life, I was just gaining a lot of weight mm -hmm. as well. So all through my teens, everyone just put it down to like, okay, well you're just overweight. But there would be people who were, in, in, I mean, in my, classes at school who were obese you know far bigger than me and they didn't have breast tissue at all mm -hmm. so I was like no this is something specific to me so I had to go through the the rigmarole of trying to like compress them down for all, all, all of my teenagers um obviously taking my shirt off in public was a complete no-no um even after I sort of came out at 18, um, I was, I just would refuse to take my clothes off for sex. Um, so <laughs> just, just, there were just these things that there were just like these growths there. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, they're a cracking set of breasts, really. Uh, <laughs> um, I, from what I, from what I understood, there was a bit of a joke that went around in school that I had the biggest breasts in the class, even beating some of the girls. Mm. So, um, it's, it's a, 
strange honor to have um but um it was 19 i fi- i finally went i finally plucked up the courage to go to a doctor about it because because i'd lost a lot of weight i had a growth spurt and then it became very clear that okay this is not because i because i'm overweight this is this is something else um and i guess cis privilege um because i am male i assign male at male at birth that's what my genitalia is so i went to the doctors like okay i have these breasts they're like well that's not correct we'll get those removed mm-hmm. for you um and I, I i thought it was something i would really have to plead my case and really you know have to justify it but they were like no no we can see this is not correct we'll get this done for you i say this is like 2008 so this is not under a tory right-wing government in this country so and obviously we do have the benefit of the nhs in this country so um i never had to pay a penny for it which i'm i mean to this day i i know how incredibly lucky i am to have that and to just and a bit like yourself it was just in test three weeks later it's like okay i'm in the operating theater um and it was dumb um yeah and then um i say never missed them (laughs) (laughs) that was it but um but I, I, yeah, I remember the recovery well, having having that binder for um, I think I think it was about two, two months yeah. for me, the the compression vest yeah. rather. I never fainted after the surgery. I only fainted like when I went in for the checkup. I think it was like a week later. Mm-hmm. It was like we're just gonna ha- take a look and just make sure everything's healing okay. And I was all good. I was all fine. Like yeah, if I was chatting with the nurses, oh this is great. Blah, blah. And then I caught sight of it. Obviously, it was the first time it had been taken off since the surgery. So of course it just looks like a car crash down there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just dried blood and everything, and I and that's when I fainted. Um, <laughs> I got sight of what had happened. I find it finally kind of hit me like what had been done to mm-hmm. me. So that I fainted for. I understand completely the power that that has, and just just finally looking back in the mirror and just seeing like that's what I was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. So I I get that feeling completely so i so I, I i when you announced it on twitter i was just so generally happy for you i was like i know how much this is gonna change your life for the better and just just finally you know this this just finally aligns to everything yeah. else finally i was quite lucky as well that i because i have i'm blessed slash cursed with really large areolas so they just took off all the nipple and just went in that way right so it's only when you get very close that you see the scar around around the areolas but then it does mean i'm terrified of like nipple suckers or anything that clamps on nipples because i'm like these have left me before these can leave me again so i'm terrified of any kind of nipple play i'm like no 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 (laughs) these were stitched back on before Uh, (laughs) so yeah see if you if you were a trans man we would have called that keyhole surgery because that is what some trans men get. Yes. Some trans men yes. are small enough yeah. where they're able to get that that same that same thing done. Yeah, there's um, like Billy Vega, the porn star. I've noticed like he has the same fit. It's just all around the nipple. Yeah. Because um, his are fairly l- like large yeah. enough that they can do yeah. that. Some people are lucky that way. <laughs> um, I know. I know. It's um, you know, yeah. I was very lucky in that regard. This is a good point because. I think people kind of assume, again, just out of innocent, innocent ignorance, that there's like a huge gulf between the trans experience and the cis experience. And there, there isn't really. Yeah, a doctor looks at us at birth and goes, okay, well, you're going to go here or you're going to go here. But I think we all struggle to um, have comfort in our bodies and comfort in our, in our gender. Because, I mean, even if you... If you are very firmly cis, I'm sure that at some point you've 
you've experienced some sort of doubt or angst regarding your gender. Maybe it's because you were, I don't know, quote unquote, too feminine or, you know, you were in a hyper-masculine situation and it made you really uncomfortable or, you know, women, men, non-binary people, cis or trans, we all, we all kind of have to come to grips with our bodies, how we view them, our comfort levels and, you know, our gender and how we interact with the, the world and how society sees us. So, I mean, we've, we've got a lot more in common than we do, you know, differences. Hard agree. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, I want to, I want to yeah. mention something just briefly. Um, it kind of my my experience, my limited experience with um, with a trans person, um, because, and this kind of leads on from what you just said. Like, uh, uh, we we've all got so many. We're also so similar to each other, you know, more so than the differences that we that we notice. Um, I, and I kind of want to say this, especially for our listeners who may never have considered um, fisting with a trans person. Um, I did it a couple of years ago um, when I met a trans guy at a club. And the thing I noticed about this person was how it I wasn't looking at them because of so much their masculinity or their femininity but i noticed just how they were they were emanating this this um just this positive energy and this vibe that i really wanted um we started dancing we said hello five minutes later i had my hand down the pants and then it all just went on from there and um and it was for me it was a very defining experience because i learned that um I didn't want to be avoiding anybody simply because of maybe how I was brought up, you know, saying, okay, I'm a gay man. I'm not into to women. I'm not into trans people, whatever. I was able to give that up in that experience and had a great time. Um, so maybe following on from that, um, is there anything that you would like to say to the fisting community or like to tell them specifically or have them understand about trans people and how to approach trans people. Approaching trans people, especially, I think, can be a real sticking point. I think there's the tendency to either fetishize us or not fetishize us, but assume things, like almost be too careful because of what you've read, maybe. I mean, the, the real thing to remember is that we're all just people and we all just want to be respected. You know, we just want to have a good time. <laughs> we want to have fun. Uh, but we're all going to be different. Like, it's not as if um, all cis men like the same things, uh, especially in the fisting community. You know, not all guys are into the same shit. Uh, and trans people are the same. So, like, there tends to be an automatic assumption that I must bottom with my front hole all the time. And the reality is I use my ass a lot more than I use my front hole for, you know fisting and vanilla sex. I do enjoy uh, getting fucked and fisted in the front, but I usually need more time. Uh, and people, you know, cis guys tend to be surprised about that. They're like, well, no, you're, that's what your front is made for, isn't it? Shouldn't this just be, you know, ready to go? And I'm like, well, no, it's not. 
<laughs> my ass actually is, but no, my front isn't. So that's an assumption that uh, I get met with a lot because usually cis guys will be, you know, really eager to sort of dive into the front because <laughs> they're like, well, I've never had this before. I want to see what it feels like and I want to try it out. I want to take her for a spin. I said, you can, but I said, you know, understand that not all trans people, trans guys anyway, will be using the front. You know, I have plenty of friends who will not use their front hole. They will not do it. It doesn't matter what situation. And cis guys will snub them for it. And I just kind of scratch my head at that because I'm like, well, you fuck asses, you know, 24-7. You won't fuck this guy's ass because you'd rather fuck his front. That is always kind of uh, bewildering to me. But that's, that's where the fetishization thing comes in. Where it's like, you're after us because, you know, you want to try a vagina. You're curious about what's going on there. And, you know, trans people are not always going to want to be your springboard for that experiment. I'm up for it. Hell. You know, I'm even down for it if having a sexual experience with me leads you to question your sexuality. I know that some people are very against that view and they're like, well, no, if, if you're, you know, if you're a gay man and you fuck a trans man, that doesn't mean anything. And that's correct that it does mean that. But I also don't mind if maybe someone has sex with me and goes, well, people aren't all that different at the end of the day. You know, maybe I would, I would like to be with a more a wider variety of people. I'm fine with that. I don't mind that. I enjoy having those conversations because I'm bisexual myself and I've been blessed to be with a wide variety of, of humans. You know, I know how fun that is. It's not something that bothers me, but it is something that bothers other other trans people. I think as fisters, we do have this, certainly from my experience, like we, we do have this tremendous opportunity in that we're not burdened like the vanilla gays or we don't have to be obsessed with dick. We don't need a dick in the equation. Mm -hmm. So guess what? All we need, all we need is a hole. <laughs> guess what? We've all got one of those. Unless there was a horrible accident. You know, we had to have it sealed up. But, you know, so I, I know for me, like, my, my sexuality has evolved because of it. I mean, I have a very close friend of 10 years who's bisexual, and um, he's just known me as being cis gay man. I'm only interested in other gay men with penises. Um... And then he made a comment not too long ago, like, oh, but, you know, but that would involve a woman and you wouldn't be down for that, of course. I was like, actually, actually, my sexuality has evolved somewhat, sir. Um, because I, my, my, my attitude now is like, I, I don't, I, I'm not really too bothered what your physical configuration is. I've, I've played with cis men who didn't really find sexually attractive, but I was like, you know what, I vibe with you and you're good at what you do. There's something here. Mm -hmm. So their dick certainly did not come into the equation one second. So I see zero reason why it can't be someone with a vagina or, whatever, or breasts or whatever. Like, it's like, hey, if you're, you're into fisting and you're into me, I think we can work with this. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm at anyway. Yeah, I think specifically um, we we make assumptions about people's sexuality a lot based on the groups that they involve themselves with. And yeah, I can also say for my, for my own sexuality, I'd prefer it if people don't assume so many things because it is in a process of evolution um, for the better in, in terms of it, it goes outwards from what it was. I think that's everything I wanted to cover. 
Well, Pocket Jock Dog, mm-hmm. um, thank you so much for accepting our invitation to be on Such Fun. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot. Um, I think you're wonderful. Um, I, thought you, I thought you were wonderful on Twitter for quite some time. Thank you for letting me draw you as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was extremely flattered by that. I immediately showed it to everybody I, I knew. I was like, even people who usually would not see me naked, I censored it a little bit. And I was like, look at this. Look at this drawing that this wonderful person did of me. There is there is the Instagram version, which of course for most people like I don't know what's going on here. I'm like, oh, okay, you need to see the, the uncensored really, but it's very powerful. I'm sure. <laughs> I did have a lot of people going like, who's this? Like who's this? Because especially on on Instagram, they're like, okay, who? I'm like, I'll send you the link. So um, uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Thank you so much for having such fun with us. I did have such such fun as it as it uh, as it were thank you for being part of our lovely fisting community yes okay i'm gonna sign out okay bye such fun, such fun. Such fun.